want you to open the scriptures tonight at Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. And I'll be calling your attention to some verses in this chapter and other scriptures tonight. So I hope you have your Bible. I'll give you time to turn to certain passages before we come down in to bring the meeting to a close. So open, please, at Exodus chapter 21, and uh, give me your attention, please. I'm sure that you all agree with me tonight that the safety and the protection of our innocent, vulnerable children is a fundamental responsibility for every parent and every grandparent, and indeed every right-thinking person in society, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the car or on the farm, on the street or in the schools, whether it's by the fireside or the roadside or the waterside, our number one maternal, paternal instinct is to keep them safe from all potential danger and harm. Tragically, and very sadly, in today's society, the most dangerous place a helpless, innocent, vulnerable child can be is the place where it should be the safest and meant to be the safest in its mother's womb. It is not so. It is estimated that every year across the globe, 80 million children are killed and murdered in the womb of their mother. Since 1967 Act came in in England, the British government legally have slain 8.7 million children. And I emphasize legally murdered 8.7 million children. Away over 200,000 were aborted in 2018. Again, figures are suppressed. Anti-abortionists and in the medical gynecology, gynecological field and legal fields and religious fields who study and research uh, the child from the conception to its destruction all agree that it's murder. Murder is the killing of a human being by a human being with malice and a forethought having planned and premeditated for it. And these experts have proven to us what the Bible proves to us and declares to us and what I will be showing you tonight, that life begins at the moment of conception. And the heart of the child beats at three weeks. They suck their thumb and respond to sound and recoil in pain to the needle that's injected into them by twitching and kicking and pulling up their legs at eight weeks. And at eight weeks, they have their own personal distinct DNA and fingerprints. 
Now, before we open up these scriptures tonight, on this very topical, emotional, debatable subject, and it's not easy to preach on, and if there's anybody here this evening or anybody listening to me or watching me that has had an abortion, I am not here tonight to condemn you. I am not here tonight to throw guilt on you because you'll have enough condemnation and guilt on yourself and many I know who have. I'm here tonight to tell you that we all have failed and we all have gone wrong and we have all done things that we shouldn't have done. And I want to tell you tonight there's a Savior and I want to say tonight like any other sin that can be repented of and you can turn from it and you can come to Christ. And what's more, you need to because the little one that was aborted is in God's heaven tonight. And I'll prove that before this night is over and my friend, whoever you are, we love you tonight. Run to the Savior tonight and seek him for forgiveness. And be sure that you'll see that little one one day. Now, before we go down into the scriptures here, let me share with you some of the ways they perform abortions. And as I say tonight, I don't take any delight in this. But we're doing this because we need to declare it in these days of darkness. First of all, by lethal injection, injected into the unborn child's heart, takes about 30 or 60 seconds, and at eight weeks and before that, there's movement when that needle goes in. Second way they do it is pliers-like instrument is inserted and pulls the child child out piece by piece, crushing his head in order Uh, to deliver it. I listened to a surgeon who, uh, who, who performed thousands of abortions last night on YouTube, and he stopped it when his only daughter was killed in a road accident and died in his arms. And he told us how he, uh, and went through the graphic details of how these abortions were performed, and I couldn't come over it tonight. And as a result of his daughter being killed, he stopped it and condemned it and stands against it. The third way is this, and this is the most, uh, uh, the most popular way. A hollow tube is inserted with a knife on the end and chops the baby, which is then sucked out by a vacuum. And that surgeon told us that last night at how each part of the child was laid out. And how they had to be very careful that each bit of that little baby was there in case anything would be left inside. It's very, very, very chilling. Now if these figures are accurate that I am giving to you and these methods are accurate and they are, am I not bound as God's watchman, as God's servant, as God's mouthpiece, to sound the alarm and to blow the trumpet? Is it not every man's common law duty to come to the rescue of our fellow citizens who are in peril of their life? 
How much more should we not come? And I trust that this message tonight will change the, 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 the lives of Christians and the focus of Christians regarding this thing. Is it not every man's common law duty to rescue in peril of their life those whom we can? And how much more the innocent, defenseless children that haven't a voice for themselves. And this poem of Stuart tells us that. In the book of Proverbs we read, Open your mouth for the dumb. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm opening my mouth for the dumb. How is it that a mother can't touch her child in correction? Or anybody else's child? Yes, she, yet she can kill it and pay to get it killed in her womb. If we were living in the days of the prophets, the number one cry would be to the people. The number one cry would be against the slaying of the innocent, and that's what Jeremiah called it. Indeed, it was the offering of children, uh, the seed, the children as sacrifices that tipped the scales with God when his cup flowed over with iniquity and he moved against them and slew them. It's there in the scriptures to read yourself. When this act of 1967 was brought in with the Wilson Labour government in the swinging immoral 60s, it was debated under a private member's bill by Sir David Steele. He's in the headlines these days. And it's not good what they're saying about them either. Mothers and abortionists and society general in 1967 were ignorant to the measure of what was happening. They didn't really know what was going on in the womb. Although as always these mothers, and as had today, they suffered greatly from remorse and from depression the suicide rate among them is very high. Now in 1967, they didn't know very much compared to what we know today. But it's shocking with what we know today that is still on the increase. This is the thing that grieves my heart about it. With all our digital cameras and digital sounds and ultrasounds and, and scans and pictures... And all the things that we know, it's rapidly increasing. They can't plead, we can't plead ignorance, nor lack of knowledge. I read where one woman had nine abortions in order to pursue her career. Another had an abortion because she didn't want her skiing plans brought down on her. She had planned for a skiing holiday. Another one I read where a husband said, if you, if you don't have an abortion, I'll leave and leave you with the four other children. Are we not glad tonight that Susanna Wesley, who raised 14 children, didn't abort two of them, John and Charles? Are we not glad tonight that the Scottish theologian Alexander White who never knew who his mother and father was, 
one of the greatest theologians that ever braced Scotland streets. I tell you, one of the great authors and scholars of his day were glad his mother didn't abort him. Now, while we're glad for all these learned experts and the things that tell us, what does the Bible say? What does God say? This is my job. Their job's their job. This is my job. What does, what does God say? Well, what does he say about murder? And she, you know very well what he says about murder in the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Genesis 9, he says, whosoever sheddeth blood, his blood shall be shed. Up until 60 years ago in this land, it was life for life. It was capital punishment. Every day now almost we hear of men and women being convicted for murder and sentenced, and quite rightly so, to 14 years, out in seven. Do you ever hear of a British government, a British government being indicted? Do you ever hear of mothers being indicted? Abortionists being indicted? The thing that annoys me and should annoy every one of us tonight is this. We should have holy indignation and a holy wrath. It sickens me to see some women who have had several abortions placarding against Brexit and placarding against global warming and placarding against the killing of the fox and the badger while they kill their own children. One of the cry of the women's rights movement is, our bodies are own. No one can dictate to us, yes, but the child's not your own. The child's made in the image of God. Mothers have no right to harm the child in their womb, no more than harm any other child. Slap them and you go to court. Kill them and you'll get legal aid to do it. Don't put a seatbelt round them in the back of the car and they'll find you 50 pounds and give you two or three penalty points. Oh, how sad it is. It's sad. And it's shocking now, my friend, with all our modern technology. And all the research that's being done, that we're still in the place where we are tonight. How we need to take heed to the Word of God. Now, I want to give you a very simple outline tonight on how we're going to deal with this situation. And it's very simple because I'm a very simple preacher and I want to, you to get this into your heart. First of all, we're going to look at abortion and the Word. Secondly, we're going to look at abortion and the womb. And thirdly, we're going to look at abortion and its work. Because there's a worker behind this. There's a worker behind all this that nobody speaks about. And when we come to that, we'll raise it very clearly. 
So you're at Exodus chapter 21 and verse 22. And I'm going to give you some scriptures now, and I'm only giving you some, there's plenty more, just to get you thinking. Verse 22 of Exodus 21, If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determined. Now let me stop there a moment. Let me explain that verse to you simply. Two men striving and fighting, some altercation between them, and the pregnant wife of one of them is affected by it. She either physically or emotionally is hurt that she gives birth prematurely, and the fruit, it says, depart from her, but there's no injury. There's no hurt to the woman or to the child. But the man that causes it, even though there's no hurt or no mischief, as it says here, the man that causes it is brought to the judge, and he's fined an amount levied by the husband and father of the child. Now look at verse 23, look at the next verse. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. You see, this shows us the care and the protection that the law and the word of God gives to safeguard the child, even though there's no hurt. The man is fined and brought to the court. And if there is hurt, if the child dies, then it's life for life. Now let's go to Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 1. Leviticus 20 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones, and I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among the people, because he has given off his seed unto Moloch to defile my sanctuary and to in my holy name. And if the people of the land do anyways hide their eyes from the man, when he giveth of his seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a-hurring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. Now, Molech 
was the king was the king of the Ammonites. He was their number one god. And a large bronze statue was erected in high places in the land. And they heated the plates beneath them, red hot. And they offered the sacrifice of the children, the best of the children, to appease the anger of this God. Manasseh, the son of the godly Hezekiah, was the main perpetrator. And whenever they set their babies on the red hot foundation of that altar, a band struck up to play to drown their sounds. God was angry. God was grieved. Now, mothers and women today are not offering their babies to the God, to the King Molech. They're not offering them on statues of idol. But their wee bones and their wee flesh that is cut and ripped out of the womb are put into fires and furnaces and incinerators in the nation. And child sacrifice is rife today. The God of King is not Moloch, but money. 500 pounds a time. It's not Moloch today. It's business. It's careers. It's freedom. It's selfishness. It's ambition. The altar of convenience for hobbies, for sports. Have nights of carousal and nights of drunkenness and then slay the babe. And if life begins at conception, which we'll show you it is, and which we're told it is by these learned men, then the morning after pill is too late. You can't cop out with that. Or wash your hands with that. We're in very, very dangerous ground. We're unveiling scriptures, my friend, that many people are ignorant of. And oh, I tell you that we must be very near the wrath of God if it's not already falling. This God will not suffer the innocent children. Oh, for a long suffering God. Turn over now to Job chapter 10. And verse 8. Watch these words very carefully. If 
scholars are correct, Job, the oldest book, comes in about the Genesis 11, the oldest book in the canon of Scripture. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? You would have need to hear that man on Facebook last night. Thou hast clothed me with skin. Who has done all this? The Creator. Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor and thy visitation has preserved me. Turn with me now to Psalm 51, please. We have to pass over these because I have quite a bit to say yet. 51 and verse 5. Well known portion to many of us, but how well do we know it? David Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now let me tell you this. Modernists and critical scholars say that he's referring here to the fact that he was born in fornication. That's nothing but a lie. That's not what he's saying. Oh, they say he's saying, in sin... My mother conceived me. Now read the verse again. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And beside conceive, there ye have a wee too, and they'll say in the reference, warm or heat. Our life. Let me say to you very carefully tonight, a blob or mass of flesh or a fetus cannot sin, cannot be sin, be a sinner. It has to be a person that's a sinner. From the moment of conception, life, life, not life, because of the fall, is sinner and shapen in iniquity. Turn to Psalm 127, please. Verse 3. Lo, children are a heritage 
Now watch this. Of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. That word heritage is there is the word gift. Now read it again. and You mothers, now read it again. Lo, children are a gift. A gift of the Lord and the fruit of the womb. They're his reward. Who has the right to the gift? Only the creator. Who has the right to invade and attack and kill the gift of God? In the mother's womb, made in his image, created by him, as you'll see in a moment. Turn to Proverbs 6 and verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, lying tongue, hearts thou, and hands that shed innocent blood. Just one more and then we're going to the final one for tonight. Jeremiah 1 and verse 5. Turn on over. Keep turning right. Ecclesiastic, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. 1 and verse 5. God speaking to Jeremiah says, Before I formed thee, I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. Now I'm going to show you as we come to a close that every, every little child that was aborted God knew about them long before they were in the womb. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I set thee apart as a prophet unto the nations. Now you'll get these scriptures all on YouTube and all on CDs and you can go over them for yourself. One Psalm one three nine back to there and then that's all the scripture we'll be turning to tonight. Psalm one hundred and thirty nine. And I want you to watch this psalm very carefully because we think we know these psalms, but we really don't. Verses 1 to 6 deals with the omniscience of God. Just drop your eye down at a wee moment. Verse 2 says, Thou knowest my down sittings and my uprisings and understandest my thought afar off. He knows all things. 
Verses 7 to 12 deals with the omnipresence of God. Verse 7 is the text there. Where shall I go from thy spirit, or where shall I go from thy presence? Look at verse 5. Verse 5 speaks about her past. Thou hast beset me behind. Speaks about the future and before. Speaks about the present, and thou hast laid thine hand upon me. Do you see that? The past, the future, and the present is all in that verse. Now watch this. Distance can't separate us. Verse 7. Where shall I go from thy spirit, or where shall I flee from thy present? Darkness can't separate us, verse 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. Death cannot separate us, in verse 8. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, where shall I go, in verse 7, from thy presence? Where shall I go? Death cannot separate us. If I go up into the heavens, you're there, or down into hell, they're there. No escape. So let me sum it up like this. He knows everything, verses 1 to 6. He reigns everywhere, verses 7 to 12. He creates everybody, verses 13 to 17. And I want you to set your eyes upon these mighty verses of Scripture. So that whenever anybody comes to me after this message, I turn them to the Word of God. I don't turn them to scientists. I don't turn them to doctors. I don't turn them to genealogists. I turn them to the word of the living God. Look at this mighty verse. Take your time with it. For thou hast possessed my reins. Now that in the old uh, language, the old ancient language was, Thou hast possessed my whole being, body, soul, and spirit. Actual word that we used was the kidneys. It meant the whole being. Thou hast possessed my reins. Now that word possessed means, and if you want to look it up, it means, it means he, he, he created us. He possesses us. And he owns us. That all comes out of that word, word possess. Let me say it to you again. It's a mighty word. He created us. He possesses us. He owns us. But then you read on down. For thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. My friend, you think that if God has covered a child in the mother's womb that they should be safe? That word cover means he overshadows and protects us and defends us and guards us. And you mothers know that. Because sometimes if it was left to yourselves, it would be in great danger. And we have ladies in this meeting at this moment and they're expecting children. Let me say to you that the overshadowing hand of God is upon you. Night and day. 
because of the heritage of his womb and there is gift. Thou hast covered me, protected me, guarded me for nine months. What right has an intruder to touch or take or kill the precious gift? You see, when the Holy Spirit revealed this to the psalmist, he had to pause. In verse 14, it seems that he had to stop and he he went into praise. This is only what he knew. He didn't know what we know. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. He broke into a crescendo of praise, and he knew very little compared to what we know. He knew nothing about science or embryology or scans. Then look at verse 15. Now this is the crux of my whole meeting tonight. Verse 15. My substance was hid. The word substance there is the word strength. It is the word bones. It is the word structure. Now is this sinking in now? Now keep watching it. My bones, my strength, my structure was not hid from thee. How could it be when when darkness can't hide us? My substance was not hidden from thee when I was made in the secret and curiously wrought In the lowest parts of the earth, that lowest part of the earth just means the deepness and the darkness of the womb. Oh, but watch this phrase here, my friends. This is a thrilling phrase as far as I'm concerned and makes a powerful, powerful case. When I was wrought secretly and curiously wrought in the lowest part, do you see that word curiously? Or skillfully it is. It's the same word that's used when women are weaving and maturing colors together, crocheting, with a whole array of different colors. It's the word knitting, actually. That's the word. God knitting. God bringing all the sinews, all the tissues, all the blood vessels, all the blood veins, all the bones, 30 billion molecules, all been weaved, all been knitted together from the very moment of conception in the womb of the mother, covered by God, in that secret place. And his eye oversaw it. Verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance. Now watch this wee phrase. Yet unperfect. 
I tell you, anything that God created was perfect. Anything that God made was good. But something has happened here. And we read it in Psalm 51 and verse 5. Something has happened here. Sin has entered. That's shocking. Do we never understand, my friend, the fall of Adam's race? And how that little baby in the womb is a little sinner. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Unperfect. As far as sin is concerned. Unperfect. And, watch this, and in thy book... All my members were written. So God had a book. Away before the hills an order stood, our earth received its fame. Before the foundations of the world, God had a plan, a book. Like the architect has a plan for a building. Long before there's a block touched or a foundation dug. God has a plan drawn out for every man and woman and child in the womb. And who are we to interfere with that? Who are we to touch that? And who are you to argue against it? Remember Moses said to God, he says, I'm, I'm not fit for the job. I'm not able to do it. I'm a, I, I, I'm a murmur. I'm a, I'm a, I can't, can't quote words. I'm, I'm a stammer. Do you know what God said? Has not God made the mouth? Has he not made the blind? Has he not made the deaf? And every time I look at Jonah, in a five-year-old and an eighteen-year-old body, every time I look at him, say, God had that plan for that lad. Way before the foundations of the world. And who am I to argue with that? And who are you? Maybe you're not just everything that you would think that you should be. Maybe you have deformities and problems that others haven't got and don't be blaming God. There's God has put the whole thing together and whether you understand it or not doesn't matter. He created you and he made you. And all the members, every wee part of the body God had in a plan. In his book, which is con- in, the, in my, my members, were, which in continuance were fashioned 
when as yet there was none of them. There was none of them. Away, my friend, in the millennials past, before there was one of them. Before that we one began to suck at some or kick in the mother's womb. Away in eternity past God has had the whole thing completed. And he knows the end. Blessed be his lovely name. And who has any right to interfere with the plans of God for a life? Quarter of a million in 2018 in this land of ours. And apart from the Catholic Church and a few others, there's nobody seems to care. It's the genocide of a generation. But what are we going to do about it? But there's something else here as I come to a close. There's not the womb, there's not the word, but there's a worker, or there's a worker. Oh, I tell you, there's a worker. Who do you think would be wicked enough and vile enough and blatant enough and bold enough to invade to which is supposed to be the safest and most blessed and most covered and most protected place in this earth? Only Satan. So get your eyes just off the mother and get the eyes off the women and get your eyes of the wee teenager at 16. God help her. Oh, love, we love you tonight. You're living, you're living in, 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 in guilt, but there's a saviour tonight if you'll come. And your wee ones in the glory tonight. There's an enemy behind us. There's a wicked evil spirit driving this. Well, it's my job not to miss that. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. He hates the children with an inverted hatred. That's why they're being abused. That's why they're being starved, sacrificed, and aborted. From the beginning, Jesus said. So that brings you back to Genesis chapter 3. Don't turn to it. We're almost finished. He was a murderer, Jesus said, from the beginning. Why Genesis chapter 3? Because in Genesis chapter 3, we read, 
some very strange thing in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus said to Satan that the seed of the woman would bruise his head, would destroy him. And from that moment he knew that there was a seed, that there was a child, that there was a man-child going to be born that would destroy him. He didn't know who it was. So he targeted the seed. That's why when you go over into chapter 4, he moved upon Cain to slay Abel. Remember Eve, when she gave birth to Abel, said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And he didn't know, and he thought, he thought that this was the seed that would destroy him. And ever since, He's targeting the seed and he's targeting the children and he hates your children and he hates my children. Go over into Exodus and you have Pharaoh. Slay all the boys, all the men, child in Egypt, slay them. That's why they had to hide Moses in a basket in the Nile. Go on over the scriptures and read from to Haman where he was going to wipe out the whole seed. Only Mordecai stood and Esther stood. Go to Herod, go to Haman, go to Hitler, go to Mussolini, go to any of them that, tie, that attack to wipe out the Jews. Go to the Palestinians tonight. They'll wipe them out if they could, but they can't. There's a worker behind this. There's a worker watching for the child to come out of the womb. And if he can't destroy the child in it, he'll destroy it if he can out of it. But he's a defeated foe tonight. Hallelujah, he's a defeated foe. And this satanic onslaught Friend, as I close tonight, this satanic onslaught not only needs to be faced with protesting and voting and writing and preaching, for there's nobody up in Stormout cares a hoot. There's supposed to be a certain party and they're against it, but you'll see before long whether they are or not. This satanic over, oh, onslaught needs to be faced with protesting, voting, writing, preaching, but above all, prayer. The legislation has been passed for our land. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We need to pray against it when it comes into the land. We need to pray against it in the schools and universities. We need to weep and howl between the porch and the altar that God in his wrath will remember mercy. 
And they did spare the slaying of the lovely wee children. And the only blessed thing we can take out of it all is to know what our Lord Jesus said. He said, forbid the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to a mother, I say to a young girl, I say to anybody who's had an abortion that's not saved, what you need to do is repent and come to Christ. His arms outstretched on the cross at Calvary, who loved the little children and died for our sins. You come to him tonight and repent of it. God will save the murderer. God will save the abortionist. God will save the adulterer. God will save the sinner. Whoever you might be tonight, he'll save the drunkard, he'll save the sodomite, he'll save whoever comes tonight. Come unto him, all ye that labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, mother, listen, get a hold of that Psalm 139. Meditate it and learn it off by heart, especially those last verses. And thank God we have scriptures such as this. But the thing is, we know it all. But what are we doing? What are we doing? Wonder will this change? I know the study of this has changed my life. I know that I have been complacent and I have done little or nothing. But I think it's going to change because it's one of the most heinous crimes that's going on and going on legally. May God help us. May you get these CDs, not to listen to me preaching, but to familiarize yourself with those verses and with this word and let it burn into your heart. And like Jeremiah said, let us stop the slain of the innocent and let us call on God to change the hearts of men and women toward this terrible deed. May God bless his word.